Praise the Lord. Good morning, church, and welcome. So good to see everyone this morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord, the Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. We're so glad you're here this morning, joining us for our first service this morning. God is good. Amen. Amen. We serve a mighty God. What a privilege to be in His house today. And we just want to just encourage you as we open this morning. Let's just turn our heart to the Lord today. I just want to give everybody an update uh, this morning. My father-in-law, he's doing well. He's still, of course, in the hospital. They did surgery on both knees. Uh, so he's got a quite a bit of a recovery time, but we're still praying for the insurance company to approve his rehab there at the hospital, so y'all can join us in prayer, and of course, pray for the family, for strength, and um, for Carla and Howard, and and, uh, for my mother-in-law, Evelyn. We appreciate it so much. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I want to take just a moment and invite Brother David Clee, who is our church treasurer. He's going to come at this time. He has a special announcement this morning before we get started with our worship. Brother David. Thank you, Pastor Todd. Well, if you can't tell, today's Pastor Appreciation Day. So, well, good. You guys got it. You got the message. Everybody's ready. So we appreciate our pastor and Christina and our associates as well, Lord, that uh, each one of them is doing their part to advance the kingdom of God. We can always count on pastor to bring us the good word and uh, challenge our hearts to be more like him and do the things with the way we should. So thank you for coming prepared. The uh, offerings, um, if you you know brought a card or an offering, whichever, there's a couple here. There's one in the uh, foyer as well. So. Thank you, Pastor. We love you. We're so glad you're our pastor. Amen. Thank you, Brother David. Praise the Lord. We love our church, and we appreciate y'all. You know, we we feel loved. I'm sure Pastor does, too. We feel your love and appreciation every day, every week, and we thank y'all so much. Praise the Lord. I just have one announcement before we open in prayer and get into our worship time this morning. And that's regarding our service this Wednesday night. You don't want to miss it. Join us here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock p.m. We're going to have with us missionaries, John and Joy Sisk. They're our very own missionaries. We always love when they come and share with us uh, what God's doing in their lives. So it'll be a great time. Don't miss that. And praise God, we're ready to worship. Are you ready to worship the Lord this morning? Amen. He's worthy. Will you stand? We're going to open in prayer. We want to lift up our Lord and our Savior. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised this morning, church. Let's lift our song to Him and exalt His holy name this morning. Heavenly Father, we love You, Lord. Father, as we come into Your house today, God, we come, Father, with a purpose, Lord God, to to love on You and to worship You this morning, to learn of You, Lord God, today, Father. We invite Your presence. God, fill this place this morning with Your Holy Spirit afresh, Lord God. Father, let Your glory fall as we lift our worship to you. Lord, we pray that you'll minister to every need today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you are able. There's nothing too hard for you, Lord God. Minister in a mighty way, we pray. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. When upon the pillows down a tempest storm, when you are discouraged, sinking. 
Thank you. 
wonderful, wonderful in your salvation, wonderful in your provision, wonderful in how you care for us continually, Lord, how you watch over our going out and our coming in. Oh, Lord, we love you. We want to thank you, Lord, for how good you've been to us all through these years. We look back and we see your hand of mercy and grace. We look ahead knowing you order our steps, you hold us secure in your hand. Lord Jesus, you are a wonderful Savior and you are a wonderful Shepherd. And we thank you for that assurance. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, God bless you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, go with me please to 1 Samuel 18. We're in a short series, Sermons from the Life of David. And last week we, we dealt with when two giants meet. And we saw how David defeated Goliath. And now we're going to talk about what happened next. So 1 Samuel 18. We're going to read a few verses. So let's start with verse number 1. And the Bible says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and loved him as himself. From that day Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him so much. He took off his robe that he was wearing, gave it to David along with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Verse 5, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did so wisely or successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, tambourines and lutes. And they danced and sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now Saul was very angry when he heard this. The refrain galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Now the next day, verse 10, the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul while he was in the house prophesying and David was playing the harp as he usually did and Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him a command over a thousand men. And David led their troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he did it with great wisdom or great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. I want to talk this morning. Can you stand to be blessed? Can you stand to be blessed? This is part one of really um, two sermons under the same text, but talking about the challenges of promotion. And our goal this morning is to study the aftermath of David's victory over Goliath, learning that promotion has both its privileges and its problems. Remember, as we go through this series, God desires to raise up David's in this present hour. God is looking for men and women after His own heart, that are willing to serve God wholeheartedly in their generation. Men and women that will lead the charge against the giants of this present hour. Men and women that will stir up the people of God to be the people of God. And so we note that the day 
that David killed Goliath. It opened up a whole new chapter in his life. Just like the day um, that giant, that Goliath of sin and self was slain in our lives and Jesus became Lord. It brought about a change, did it not? When we got saved and we made a decision to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and we became new creatures in Christ, a change took place in our life. A new chapter began in our life. In David's new chapter, he would never again be the lowly shepherd boy and the pressures that come with success would never again leave his life. David's success began when he killed the giant. And he continued in everything that he did. This young shepherd boy had come a long way and he followed his success with proper behavior. You know, some people can't survive success. I mean, some people have a hard time with promotion. David Jeremiah writes, for every hundred people who survive adversity, there's only one who survives prosperity. But David did. Yet he had to pay the high cost of success. In fact, the aftermath of the giant killing led David not to the throne, but instead into one of the deepest, longest, darkest valleys of his entire life. As we saw last week, David had killed the giant. And as we just read, he had gained instant popularity. He became a national hero overnight. He, um, the people sang his praises. He was invited and he became a permanent part of the king's court. Overnight this all happened. Very few people could take all that in stride, but David did. He knew how to live with success. When David killed Goliath, again, his entire life was transformed. It changed. There was victory. There was privilege, promotion. There was authority. But there was also tremendous pressure. There was also new enemies, responsibilities, expectations. And this morning, we look at the changes in David's life and how he coped with them. Again, we ask, can you stand to be blessed? Can you stand to be blessed? Chuck Swindoll writes, God's hand was on David. Ultimately, the Lord was going to use David to be the greatest king in the history of Israel. But in order to do that, he had to break him and hone him and sharpen him. Crutches had to be removed. The comfort zone stripped away. When we read in the next few chapters... We look at David's life, and in it we see King Saul guarding his throne. While God uses Saul's hostility, Saul's insanity, Saul's terrible jealousy to mature and prepare David for his throne and for his kingdom. You know, God will use the strangest things to better us if we let him. God will use even the ugliness of men to make us more like His Son if we let Him. Now, next week we're going to look at four changes that came suddenly because of David's victory. We're going to look at how the success brought him a new family and a new fame, a new foe and a new friend. But first, let's remember this in context. David has been anointed king. We studied that in the first study in this lesson. Samuel himself anointed David before his brothers. He's been anointed king. Then David did defeat the giant, what nobody else had courage to do. What no one else would even attempt. This young boy rose up in the power and faith in the living God. And he challenged and defeated that terrible Philistine. And lastly, we saw how David, it didn't go to his head, but he went right back shepherding sheep. Proven, faithful, even in the small things, even in the unseen things. But we note that it's still 13 long years until David sits on a throne. 
And then he only sits on the throne over a portion of Israel. So again, aspiring Davids, aspiring giant killers. I want you to note this morning four qualities that kept David going through these years of testing and pruning in opposition. Four qualities that kept David growing in the midst of it all. That kept David from quitting when the times got tough. That kept David from being disqualified when God measured him and God weighed him in the balance. And they'll do the same for us. Number one, note, David behaved wisely. David behaved wisely. Gleaning that word from the New King James, David behaved wisely. Verses 5, verses 14 and 15, verses 30. The NIV says he was successful. David was successful. The New American Standard one time used, he prospered, the other time he acted wisely. Here's the explanation. This word in the Hebrew combines the virtues of wisdom and success. And it's pretty much because, they roll it all into one word, because David handled himself wisely, God gave him victory. Because David handled himself prudently and properly before the Lord, God gave him the victory. So we note, number one, David behaved wisely. David um, carried himself, or he handled himself properly in a variety of settings. When you're going to be God's servant, you can't be a one-hit wonder, you know? He, he handled himself whether it was leading the troops or ducking the spears. Whether it was living at court or receiving men's praise. Whether it was being falsely accused or carrying out his assignments and his tasks. Different situations Different settings, David knew how to carry himself as God's man. David anointed to be king, but Saul is still in power. That can be a problem, can it not? Anointed and knowing God has chosen him to be king, yet Saul, who is getting worse by the day, is still in power for many Many years. There'll be years of David waiting and enduring and growing that lay before him. Saul's jealousy, Saul's personal attacks will hound David all those days. And David, one thing he had that was so wonderful and helpful, he understood spiritual authority and he understood spiritual timing. God had put Saul into power and God would have to take him out. God had made promises concerning David's life and calling and God would have to bring them to pass. Therefore, David, he behaved, the Bible says, wisely. He behaved prudently. He behaved properly. And he trusted God to make things happen in God's way and in God's time. He refused to get carnal or impulsive or selfish and manipulate and justify behavior. Instead, he trusted God to do what he said he would do in his way and his time. And that's a good example for us. Trusting God enough to submit to the timing and the ways of God and allowing God to mature and grow us through His dealings and through His waitings. Like David, may we face each test life brings us responding wisely and spiritually and properly. You know, some things stretch us more than other things. But regardless, the consistency of our character 
is what God demands of us. It's a must. It allows God to use us. It allows God to advance us. It allows God to sharpen and shape us and make us into the ones He's called us to be. And remember, as we go through things wisely, as we face things properly, we're gaining discipline for greater responsibility. We're being sharpened for greater usefulness. And we're being perfected for the ultimate place and the ultimate ministry that God has for us. Let's read together James 1, verses 2 through 4. James 1, verses 2 through 4. The Bible says, Consider it joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many different kinds. Because you know this, the Bible says, I want you to have an understanding of why trials come and what God wants to do in them. Because you know that the testing the testing, your faith will be tested. The testing of your faith develops. It develops. It, it matures. It brings a perseverance. And that perseverance, as it works in our lives, it, it brings a maturity and a completeness. It equips us so that we're not lacking in the areas God wants us to be. The Bible says, consider it joy, understanding that sometimes God brings us through things, but He says behave wisely in this. Respond properly to this. This might not be the way you want to do things, but that seems to be the way God is making things happen. So respond as a child of God. And we note here, when the Bible says consider it joy, it's not talking about having just an emotional response, but it's talking about a deliberate appraisal of the situation from God's perspective. It's looking at that thing, not emotionally um, thinking yippee, but it's understanding that, Lord, you'll even use this to make me more like Jesus. Lord, You will even use this to make me stronger in faith and more pure in my devotion to Thee. It's viewing trials as a means of moral and spiritual growth, as a place where God can prove us and mature us and make us into the ones He's called us to be again. It's not rejoicing in the trial. It's not, yippee! Oh, another flat tire. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? I'm so thankful those roofers left all those nails all over the driveway. Oh, God bless them. No, it's not, no, no. It's not counted all joy. Oh, glory! I heard they're going to lay off right before the holidays. Just what I've been believing for. No, that's stupidity. That's acting like a fool. The Bible's saying it's recognizing that, Lord, even in this, I can grow if I respond properly. Even in this, Lord, use this trial. I didn't ask for it. I didn't call the prayer line and beg for it. Oh, Lord, but use it to mature me and to glorify You. Use this, Lord, to do Your good work in me. Can you say amen? See, a lot of Davids get disqualified from the first anointing. They never get to the second and they certainly don't get the third. And it's because they don't know how to behave wisely and carry themselves properly in a variety of settings. If it's a certain setting, they're on the top of the mountain. Follow me. If the setting isn't so much, then they, they don't know if God's still alive or not. But the Bible says one, two, three, four times David handled himself wisely. He, he behaved properly towards various things that God brought him through. David behaved wisely and this allowed God to bless him, to mature him, and ultimately advance him and use him. And as you and I face various situations that life will take us through, whether they be new demands or new blessings and everything in between, may we carry ourselves godly, properly, consistently, and wisely for the glory of God. Can you say amen?
Number one, David behaved wisely. Can you stand to be blessed? Number two, now it gets even deeper. David did not retaliate. Like one of my mentors used to say, this is where you really see how much God you have. Amen? I mean, when those spears start flying, <laughs> you know, that spear of insult, that, that spear of accusation, that, that spear of deception or of jealousy. I don't know about you, but sometimes when the spears get flying, it's awful tempting to pick one up and hurl one back. Anybody? Thank you. I'm glad you're being honest with me this morning. Makes me feel a little better in my heart. I know I'm in the right group. Amen. But I'm telling you, it's tempting to throw them back. Hold that grudge. Anyone, anyone ever hold a grudge? I read a story about someone that held a grudge. A little four-year-old was having his birthday party, and he opened up a birthday gift from, from a grandma, and he discovered it was a water pistol. And I don't mean one of them cheap old dollar store. I mean one of them, you pump it two, three times, it'll shoot across the street. Amen? I mean a water pistol. And that little kid, so he jumped up and down, he squealed with delight, and he ran for the near sink. Well, as soon as he left the room, the boy's father obviously was not pleased. He turned to his mother and said, Mom, I'm surprised at you. Don't you remember how we used to drive you crazy with those water guns and we messed up the whole house? Grandma just smiled and said, Oh, yes, dear, I remember. I sure do remember. (laughs) Granny's revenge. Amen. But David, oh, David. David didn't retaliate. David allowed God to do the fighting for him. Rather than wrong for wrong, he kept a sweet spirit. And God always brought him through. Remember, when the spears are flying, duck, but don't chuck. Now, you see, if unspiritual people were to look at David's treatment by Saul, they might have said, he's got a right to retaliate. That's unfair what he's doing. God's anointed him. God's rejected him. David, you ought to. In fact, one time it happened. Maybe you remember the story. It's in 1 Samuel 24. Saul one time got so crazy, he sent two, 3,000 men to chase after David. He heard David's in a certain place, out in the desert, all these caves are. And so David and just a handful of men, they're hiding in the caves and Saul's chasing them. And you know back in the Bible days, right? You can read this. It's in the book, right? You know, they didn't have, you, you couldn't pull along the side of the road and have a, you know, a racetrack. You were, you, they were one of the rest areas along the throughway. So when you had to relieve yourself, you found the nearest cave and there you went. And you know, even, even in a place like that, that's one place the king don't take his bodyguards. Amen? Amen? So would you believe it's in the book? David and his men are hiding in a cave and all of a sudden Saul has to go to the restroom and, and talk, talk about putting the king in a vulnerable place. And he walked in the cave where David and his men were hiding. And you know what David's men said? This has got to be God. David, this is the word of the Lord. This is God bringing the past his promise. Kill him! Kill him! I mean, he's about as unprepared and vulnerable as you're going to find him. This is God! But David said, no, this isn't God. No, God doesn't work like this. You see, friend, David knew in God's kingdom... The ends does not always justify the means. And it's easy to look at certain things and take our own selfish and revenge. This is it. This is it. This is it. But David was a man after God's own heart. He said, no, you can't. Even though he's rejected, he was still God's king. You can't harm him without dealing with God in some way. David said, uh-uh. God raised him up and God will take him down. But as for me, I'll keep my hands innocent. 
who chose not to retaliate. Men and women of God have yielded their rights to Jesus. And we live in a way, we strive to live in a way that pleases the Lord. We try to live in a way that obeys His Word and lives according to that Word. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. And we do our very best to properly represent Him. We love Him. He shed His blood for us. And we want to follow His example. We want to walk in a way that honors Him. We don't want to be caught up in the worldly mentality when we're hurt, tick for tat. When we're hurt, the ends justify the means. But instead, we're going to walk above that. We're men and women after God's own heart. We're going to trust God to defend us. We're going to trust God to bring us through situations where the flesh wants to. I want revenge. David yielded his rights to God and he allowed God to fight his battles. He allowed God to defend him and to work out his plan for David's life. And here's our lesson, beloved. Refuse to retaliate. Don't lower yourself to the world's ways. Don't act like those that don't have a heavenly Father taking care of them. Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, He said, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute and are ugly towards you. Paul wrote in Romans, he said, don't repay evil for evil. Leave it in God's hands. Our promotion will come from God. In God's time, He'll bring you through. Our God is in control of everything. If you give that situation to Him, He'll defend you. He'll work out His plan for you. Somebody listen, you might be here, you might feel the sting of someone's unkindness, you might have heard of someone's cruelty going through it and it's nasty, but listen, it might have been undeserving, it might have been unfair, it might have been uncalled for, it might have been unkind, but give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. In the face of unfairness, in the face of injustice, it's tempting to fight back. Everyone feels that thing. But, but the sting of it, the, the harshness of it. But friends, don't respond in a way that God can't bless you. There's a proper way to respond to injustice. There's a proper way, a spiritual way, a biblical way to respond to the cruelty of men. But don't get caught in the flesh where you act in such a way that God can't bless you. Don't ever carry yourself in a way where God cannot defend your cause. Always act in a way that God can stand by your side and God can take up your cause. Because trust me, God can do a better job at all of it than we can. Amen? David didn't retaliate. Spirits were being thrown. He didn't retaliate. Lies were being told. He didn't retaliate. He trusted himself to God. And even when God tested him, bringing Saul right there, right there. David, you're going to take it by flesh? Are you going to take it in a way that you know is not right? What would you do? Now, see, some people wouldn't know the difference because the spiritual people can sense the spirit different than the carnal. That's why David's own men said, it's time, this is God. And it wasn't God, was it? But David understood that because David had a heart after God. I'm reminded of the words of Moses to the people of God so long ago. Words of good advice to them and good advice to us. When he said, hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battles. And that's exactly what David did. And that's what we need to do. And we need to allow God to bring promotion into our life in His way and His time. And we need to allow God to defend us in His way and in His time. And we'll see that even God is able to take the ugliness of men and use it to bring blessing to us if we let Him. Listen, whenever you retaliate, 
Whenever you retaliate against someone who has wronged you and you get carnal with them, you only open the door to more strife. You just give place to the devil. It increases the confusion. It increases the regret at the end. It increases the anger. So let God defend you. Entrust it to Him. Stay in the Spirit. Walk in love and follow the example of Jesus. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, verses 21 through 23. 1 Peter 2. To this you were called, writing to all of us, to this we were called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example how we should respond to suffering. Amen? Amen? We see a lot of books. I mean, how, how, imitate Jesus, casting out demons. Imitate Jesus. Well, here's one. Imitate Jesus in dealing with injustice, in dealing with unfair suffering. Here it is. Um, we're supposed to follow in his steps. He committed no sin. You know, a lot of times we get things, and let's face it, we, we had something to do with it, didn't we? All right, but he committed no sin. And there was no deceit in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, when the spirits are flying, he didn't retaliate. He didn't throw back, did he? When he suffered, he didn't make any threats. He didn't threaten them. Instead, what did he do? He entrusted or he committed himself to him who judges justly. Wow. Wow. Let's think about that for a moment. When Jesus was unfairly accused, unjustly attacked, he gave us an example. He, the Bible says he committed or entrusted himself. That means he handed himself over to the care and the concern of the Father. Instead of getting ugly and fighting back, he took his life and said, Father, I belong to you. And I believe you're going to take care of me. You're going to defend me. And in your good time, you will promote me. And he gives us that example. You know, Jesus... He, he speaks to us through this that, you know, in spite of the fact that Jesus was sinless in both word and deed, He suffered at the hands of men. You know, we can live right and still suffer because of things. We, we can live holy and be loving to others and still take the flack of men that aren't. Jesus actually proved that you could be in the will of God, you could be greatly loved of God, you could... <laughs> Be a person that God is pleased with and still be insulted and still be attacked and still be misunderstood. But Jesus' response, not an evidence of weakness, but an evidence of real trust and confidence in the Father. Friend, you can trust the Lord enough to give Him that situation, to entrust your defense to Him and to know he will take good care of you. Can you stand to be blessed? Can you endure the process? Blessing will take you. I've met people in my day that wanted... I had a friend of my wonderful man. He's a wonderful man. He wanted a certain position for years and years. When he got it, it wasn't a year and a half. He found out, that's not for me. He found out that level of promotion. I have to deal with things I don't like to deal with. I have to face things I don't like to face. Many a times, the process is painful. Many a times, the purpose of God to get us to that place is more than we're willing to bear. And we've got to ask ourselves again and again, do I really want that blessing? 
Am I willing to pay the price to be the one that God can use in that measure? Number one, David, the Bible says, he behaved wisely. There was various settings and various situations, but David knew how to carry himself. David knew how to act properly as God wanted him to. But secondly, David refused to retaliate because if we live godly, we're going to suffer some persecution. If we choose to do the will of God, there's going to be others that don't understand it. There's going to be some that just don't like it. And they're going to give us flack. And they're going to give us resistance. And then we have to make a choice. Do I act like them or do I act like Jesus? Do I respond to the old nature that we all have? That old nature says, throw that spear back and throw it even harder. Throw a bomb with it. But the Spirit, Jesus... Can I commit myself to the Father's care? You're not only my Savior, you're my defender. And you know, sometimes, friends, you even got to give God your reputation and say, Lord, I entrust it to you that you'll bring out the truth in your good time. And until then, as long as I know we're right, everything else will be right. Can you say amen? David behaved wisely. David did not retaliate. Number three, David held on to his faith. David held on to his faith. It's easy to hold on to your faith during a sprint, isn't it? But boy, sometimes in a marathon, there's some stretches where, whew, lost my, it's getting a little tired now. I like a little, a little pull over the side of the road. But David, you know, there's 13 years, 13 years of unfair treatment, uh, of falsely being accused of being hounded by Saul constantly, of being outlawed in the old country that he loved. You could just see him looking up saying, Lord, how long, Lord, how long? All for being faithful. All for being anointed. All for being blessed. I can hear David say, hey Lord, maybe I'll bless someone else for a while. I can't handle all this blessing. And some would have quit and said, ah, I didn't bargain for this. Anybody, I didn't bargain for this. But faith holds on. Faith continues on. Faith, remember Hebrews 12, speaking of Jesus. It says, for the joy set before Him. He endured the cross. He despised its shame. Because He believed it was worth it. Because Jesus believed you were worth it. And you were worth it. He didn't shrink back from the cross, but He endured the cross and went through the cross and threw aside the the shame and the accusation of men. But He knew the ultimate goal was worth it. He knew your salvation was worth it and your salvation was worth it. And I'm so glad Jesus endured it. I'm so glad Jesus didn't shrink back, but He held on and went through the plan of the Father to its ultimate end. And I want someone to know that God is calling some of His people to endure a little longer, to trust a little longer, to believe a little longer. It will be worth it all. The goal, the prize of your faith will be worth it all. Don't shrink back now. Don't give up now. You've come too far to turn back now. But like Jesus, endure it. Like Jesus, throw it aside. But continue on in the will and in the plan of the Father. Can you say Amen? You see, faith believes. Faith endures. Faith put ups. It put ups with men's ugliness and men's misunderstanding and hell's opposition. David held on to his faith 13 long years. This is after being anointed. After being faithful. After defeating a giant. 
The only place there's overnight success is in the movies. That's, that's, that's in TV land. That's not in reality land. But the Bible, see, God, he's, he's looking for vessels that He can trust. And in order to be that proven vessel, they've got to go through the process. And some reject the process, so they reject the prize. But David, for 13 long, held on to that faith. In fact, he writes in Psalm 27, verse 13, he writes, I would have fainted. David says, surely, I, he looks back, I surely would have fainted. I would have given up. Sure, I just would have thrown in the towel and said, I quit unless, somebody say unless, unless I had believed. That's the key. Keep believing. The child of God, keep believing. Keep trusting God. I would have fainted. I would have fallen apart. I just would have given in to the old nature and exploded, imploded, and exploded. Amen? But instead, I believed, I believed, I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believed that God would come through. I believe His faithfulness it does endure forever. I believe God is faithful to keep His promises and He's faithful to defend His children. I believe that the Lord would come through for me like He's done before. He would do it again. Somebody, hold on, child of God. Hold on. Your heavenly Father is not done yet. He's making a way for you. That storm shall pass. That mountain shall be removed. You've come too far to turn back now. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hold on to your faith because Jesus is faithful to bring you through. Hallelujah. David held on to his faith. Listen, the most important thing you and I have Thank God we've got wonderful spouses. Thank God we've got good families. Thank God for jobs, etc., etc. But the most important thing you and I have faith in Jesus Christ. Don't sell it for anything, don't sacrifice it for anyone. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, Luke 22, he looks at Peter and says, Simon, Simon, Satan's asked me to sift you as wheat. I'm going to let him, but I'm praying for you. He lets certain things, but he's still praying for us. He allows a certain leeway, but he's still praying for us. He can let anything as long as he's praying for us. <laughs> he said, I'm praying. You know what he's praying? That your faith fail not. Whew. Most important thing you got, faith in Christ. Well, you can lose a lot of things. Don't lose that. Friends, times of testing comes. Every one of us must go through prunings and provings. But whatever you go through in this life, don't let go of your faith in Jesus Christ. Offenses will come. Temptations will call. Disappointments are part of this. But don't let go of your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, David gives us such a wonderful example with his life of keeping the faith. He refuses to turn back. He refuses to give up. He refuses to get better. Let's be like David when we're going through the trials of life. Let's keep believing God's Word. Let's keep trusting God's care. Let's keep coming to God's house. Let's keep standing for God's cause. Let's keep calling on God's name. Let's keep doing things God's way. And in the end, He'll bring us through. We ask again, can you stand to be blessed? Can you handle promotion? Are you willing to endure the process? 
that you can embrace the prize. Learning from David's example, number one, he behaved wisely. Facing each test, each day, each situation as it comes, but doing it properly. Carrying ourselves godly, righteously, wisely, consistently in character, staying in spirit. Number two, he refused to retaliate. Give it to Jesus. It's not always easy, but it's best. Give it to Jesus. Don't try to fight the Lord's battles the devil's way. Don't try to fight the Lord's battles the devil's way. Let Jesus defend you. Let Jesus defend you. Number three, hold on to your faith. I mean, you might lose a person, a friend along the way. You might lose a bank account along the way. You might lose your health along the way. Don't lose your faith. Hold on to your faith in Christ. Hallelujah. Don't surrender it. Keep believing and trusting. Lastly, no time to really expound this. Don't lose or keep, keep your joy. Keep your praise. Don't ever surrender your song when you're going through the storm. Don't surrender that. Don't have time to expound this, but I want you to take note mentally. Think about this. How many of the psalms and songs of praise that David wrote were written in the midst of trial and opposition? When you read those psalms, you can read the little headings and often it will tell you where he wrote it and what was going on when he wrote it. And I'll tell you, many of them, he wasn't on sabbatical. He wasn't at some songwriter's conference out in the Smoky Mountains somewhere. I'm telling you that. Amen. He's hiding in caves. He's running his own son's rebellions. King Saul's lies and spears. I mean, in caves, on the run, ducking spears. Yet he never lost a song. We got proof of it in our Bibles. And being able to sing in the midst of the proving, in the midst of the testing, man, number one, it kept David strong and it kept God close. You write that down. If you're able to sing in that midnight hour, if you're able to keep your song and praise Him, even in the midst of man's ugliness and hell's, hell's opposition, it will keep you strong and it will keep God close. It keeps us strong because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Can you say amen? And when I choose to praise God in the midst but listen, when I praise God, it affects my focus, it affects my confession. Think about that. When I choose to praise God, i got to look to God. Amen? So I'm no longer looking at the ugliness. I'm no longer being deer in the headlights of who did this and look what they said. And look. Instead, now my focus is going on the Lord. Now that's going to encourage somebody. Amen? And as I praise Him, I can't be criticizing and cursing you if I'm praising and exalting Him. So when I choose... I'm not going to lose my song. I might not feel like singing. I might not look much like a singer. But even in the hard places, if you can just lift up your voice, oh, your praise will continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. Great is thy faithfulness. Now I'm no longer looking at that. I'm no longer being harassed by that. I'm seeing Him who is high and lifted up. And I'm declaring His goodness. Declaring his favor. I'm not declaring my frustration. And that will keep me strong in the midst. Somebody say amen. If you can keep your song in the midst of the storm, it keeps you strong and it keeps God close. The Bible says the inhabitants the praises of his people. 
There's different measures. God's everywhere. Well, we know that. But if you know anything about your Bible, He's got different measures in different places. Come on, say amen. A little Bible lesson do somebody good around here. All right. I mean, he's, he's here in one measure. He's at the crystal pistol in another measure. Are we right? You with me? But when you learn how to praise the Lord, the Bible says He inhabits that. God's attracted to praise. There are many things in that book that God says I'm attracted to. There's many things God says I resist and I'm repulsed by. He loves faith. He's drawn to faith. He loves humility. He abides. He draws. And He loves hearing His people sing His song. He loves hearing His people. Even in the hard places, when it's a real sacrifice of praise, God says, that touches my heart. God says, that moves me. To hear I hear Him singing when it's not easy to sing. To hear Him shouting praises when I know in the natural things don't look good. God, like any good father, says that moves me. That I'm going to come and wrap my arm around them. I'm going to draw near to them. I'm going to give them a special grace. I'm going to give them a special grace. Why? There is power in your praise. Don't wait for the choir to sing your favorite song. Don't wait for the musician to play it out the solo. Just lift up your voice and declare goodness. Declare mercy. Mercy, declare the loving kindness that abideth. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, David. The qualities that kept David from quitting, that kept David growing, that kept David from becoming disqualified. We've said this before in previous lessons. In this present hour, God is looking for David's. He's looking for men and women. That'll say I'm a man after God's own heart. I'm a woman with a heart after God. And I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to fight the Lord's battles. I'm willing to take my stand against the Goliaths of this hour. But there's many others he's flying over. He flew over Saul, but Saul wouldn't obey him. Saul had a lot going for him. But if you want to obey God, God can't use you. Isn't that simple? Saul experienced the power of God before. Saul actually had the smile of God for a season. Saul had good godly friends like Samuel. But if you don't obey God, there's only so much God can do with you. Isn't that right? So after a while, God said, I had enough flying over him. There was Gehazi. Had the privilege of being a right-hand man of Elisha, that great prophet of God. He was being groomed to be that next mighty prophet in Israel. But Gehazi had that covetous spirit. Gehazi wanted the money. God said, oh, I tested you with blessing. You can't handle it. God to pass over you. There was a rich young ruler. Remember that rich young ruler? We would have liked to get him saved, wouldn't we? Put him on the testimony circuit. Isn't that right? Back in them full gospel business then days. They'd have him right out there, brother. Oh, he's rich. He's a ruler. He's got money. He's just the kind of people we like to promote, you know. Of course, Jesus said he wasn't fit yet for the kingdom because he wasn't ready to give his all to Christ. Flew over. Flew over. My Lord, my Lord. Oh, somebody pay the price for the blessing. Somebody pay the price to be the one God's called you to be. Somebody put aside the things that are hindering you from advancing in God. Somebody make up your mind you're going to follow David's example and apply these biblical lessons that you might become and you might advance and you might do the works God's called you to do. Can you say amen? Can you stand to be blessed? Lessons from David on how to respond to the challenges that come with promotion and blessing. He behaved wisely. 
He refused to retaliate. He held on to his faith. And he kept his song. He kept his song. As we pray, number one, the first thought, the first request is always salvation. If you're here, if you're listening, if you're not saved, it's your time to give Jesus your life. If you're not living right, if your heart's not right with God now, right now, it's time to make a fresh commitment. It's time to tell the Lord you'll turn from whatever's hindering you and you'll give Him your all. Let today be the day of receiving Christ of giving your life to Christ. Not enough just to know about Him. You must receive Him. And you must serve Him personally and publicly. Do it today. And for the rest of us, let's ask God to help us apply these lessons to our lives. Amen? Let's ask the Lord to help us apply these lives. We pray, Father, help us to apply these lessons to our lives. Lord, I know many here today want to serve You wholeheartedly in their generation. I know many here today, they want to serve you wholeheartedly in their generation. And like David, Father, they desire to be men and women after your own heart. So we pray, oh God, use us. Make our lives, allow our lives to make a difference for eternity's sake. Use us, Lord. Use us in our homes. Use us as we go to the store. Use us, Lord, in our local church. Use us, Lord. To fulfill your will and to be your vessel. And help us, Lord, to remember these lessons. That as you develop us, we'll respond properly. As you test us, we'll respond to that test spiritually. And now, Father, I pray for those that are here that have needs. Maybe those that are watching. Father, in the name of Jesus, fill the thirsty and refresh the weary. Father God, grant a fresh filling right now. I pray for those that are weary. Father, fill them. I pray for those that are thirsty and want another drink. They want more of you. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus, fill them, Lord. Give them a new song in the Spirit. Give them a new impartation of divine life. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those that are hurting. Father, heal the hurting whether it be physical, whether it be emotional. Father, in the name of Jesus, let that thing lift right now. Let that thing lift in Jesus' name and let Your power descend. Let Your power right now, oh God, let it descend. Let it begin to work. Let that tumor melt in Jesus' name. Let the peace of God fill that heart and fill that mind. Father, in the name of Jesus, heal the hurting. Refresh the weary. And I pray, oh God, grant your people a fresh boldness as they leave this service to go out in this week and be a bold witness, a courageous witness for the Lord Jesus. Use each of them in a mighty, mighty way. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you on Wednesday. Don't forget your offering in the back and your distancing. God bless you.